We are continuing on in a series entitled, You Will Be My Witnesses, and today we're going to talk about how to witness, but just want to have a uh, pastoral word of prayer. There's a hurricane that's going to slam into the coast of Louisiana here about the time we finish lunch today. There are people being evacuated from Afghanistan today. The Delta variant has got a lot of people sick in the hospital today. Don't you think we ought to pray just one more minute here before we get started? Lord, there are so many things we want to surrender to you, and the reason I want to surrender all it is is, Lord, I want to be a witness to tell people how good it is to have a relationship with you. And one of the sweetest parts about it is, Lord, we can boldly enter the throne of heaven now anytime we want because Jesus opened that door. And so we come before you right now, and in the name of Christ, Lord, I pray for several things. First of all, Lord, I pray for protection for the people on the Gulf Coast. As Hurricane Ida comes ashore in just a few hours. 150-mile-an-hour winds and lots of rain. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that people will seek shelter, and I pray that you'll show us how we can be good neighbors and help them after this thing's through. Protect us, too, Lord. That storm's coming our way after that. Heavenly Father, we also pray today for the military personnel who are airlifting people out of Afghanistan. You give them great wisdom, and we'd get as many people out of there as we possibly can. Oh, God, we pray for the Christians that will remain there, that they will be powerful witnesses for you. Uh, to the Taliban and others there that have, oh, they need you, Lord. Please bless them and protect them. And finally, Father, we just pray now for those who are sick in the hospital, those who have even lost loved ones because of COVID-19. Oh, gracious God, that you would bring them comfort. Lord, that you would protect us. Oh, Heavenly Father, that you would guide us in this. Lord, we lay all these things at your feet because we can. Because Jesus made it possible for us to walk into your presence when he paid the penalty for our sins in full. Today, Lord, I want to talk with everybody about how to share our faith. Because, Lord, we need a relationship with you. If it's not these issues, tomorrow it'll be something else. So, Lord, today I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way, and you remind us how to be effective witnesses. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. And I started out that way because I was thinking with all these things coming up. I mean, I, I, recently I helped a family get ready for a funeral of a loved one uh, just the other night. And as I was leaving their house, somebody, they were walking out and they said, I don't know what people do who don't know the Lord. And I go, well, they don't do well. I mean, the reason that it's so important for you and me to be witnesses about Jesus is people need Jesus, and when Jesus comes into our lives, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us hope, he gives us power, he gives us confidence, he gives us a whole different outlook on life, and if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Well, he not only gives us all those things and the promise of eternal life in heaven forever, he also gives us the opportunity to spread this good news everywhere we go. That's why we're doing this series. Oh, people need hope today. People are stuck in guilt and shame and sin. They're stuck in addictions and bad relationships. They're stuck in fear. They are stuck in so many things, anxiety and worry and stress. They're so tied up in this they can't get out. And that's why we need to tell them about Jesus. And that's what's inspired this whole series here, because we are his witnesses. That's the title of this. You will be my witnesses. It's from Acts 1.8. And you is plural. 
I mean, it would be, all y'all will be my witnesses. Is the right translation? That's a John Schmidt translation. All y'all be my witnesses. That's us. Now, let me remind us of a couple of things. First of all, a witness is a person who tells others what he or she has seen and heard. That's what a witness does in a courtroom. You're not the judge. You're not the jury. You're not a lawyer for the prosecution or defense. If you're a witness, you're just a witness. And you play, that's an important part to play. Acts 22:15, when Paul, right before he was baptized and was uh, commissioned for ministry, as he was being commissioned for ministry, a Christian man named Ananias said this to Paul. He said, for you are to be God's Jesus witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. In 1 John 1, John was explaining why he and the other apostles went everywhere telling people about Jesus. And here's what he said. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he's the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father. Then he was revealed to us. We, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. And in Acts 4.18... Peter and John are called before the same council that sentenced Jesus to death. They were ordered to quit talking about Jesus, and here's how they responded. So they called the apostles back in, commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. So a witness tells people what he or she has seen and heard. The only thing God wants us to tell, or the the best way, let me put it this way, The best way we can tell other people about Jesus is this, is telling them what we've seen and heard about Jesus, what we've experienced, how we've experienced him. And that brings us to the next point here. Well, then what do I say? If I'm going to talk about what I've seen and heard, what do you mean by that? Well, let's unpack that. There's three things, and these are the next three points under here, and point B, the sub points under there. I tell others what I was like before I met Jesus. I tell others how I met Jesus. And then I tell others how my life has changed since I met Jesus. I mean, that's the power of a great testimony in anything. I mean, if you have a weight loss program and there's a woman on the Internet and she's holding up a big old pair of pants and she says, two years ago I wore these pants, I went through this weight loss and diet program, and now I wear these pants, everybody's signing up for the weight loss and diet program. This is what I was before, size this, and they don't even tell you the size because it's horrific, okay? And then I went through the exercise program, and now I'm size this. That's what people want to know. Well, the same thing's true when it comes to a personal relationship with Jesus. This is who I was before. I met Jesus, and this is who I am now, a completely different person. This is what the Apostle Paul did. Acts 26, he walks through this. We'll just read some of these verses to you. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. 
Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priests. I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that, I'd even, that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Paul says, before I met Jesus, you know who I was? I was an anti-Christian Jewish zealot that tortured and beat Christians. I would beat them so bad that I would get them to renounce their faith in Jesus, and then I'd let them go. I tortured them. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament before he met Jesus, was closer to the Taliban than he was to a Southern Baptist preacher. A lot closer. And that's how his testimony started out. Well, what's yours? Well, before I met Jesus, I was an alcoholic. Before I met Jesus, I was filled with rage. Before I met Jesus, I was bitter and worried all the time. Before I met Jesus, I was this. The second thing we need to tell people is how then we met Jesus. This is who I was before. Here's what happened. Here's what happened to Paul. One day I was on such a mission, a little more from Acts 26, verse 12, on, from Jerusalem to Damascus. He was sent out to go find Christians, bring them back in chains. They were going to wipe Christianity off the map. I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with authority and commission of the leading priests. And about noon, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have a appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people you've seen me. Tell them what I'll show you in the future, and I'll rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they can turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Paul said, one day I was on the road to Damascus, going to go try to grab Christians and torture them, wipe out Christianity, and Jesus himself appeared to me on the road. Well, what's your story? For some people, it is. I was sitting in uh, an airport waiting on a plane. I struck up a conversation with somebody next to me, and they explained what it meant to follow Jesus, and I gave my heart to Christ right there. Some people, it's like my mom and dad told me about Jesus. And they prayed with me in my bedroom when I was 11 years old. Other people, it's like, man, in my case, I went off to college. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church. But that was my mom and dad's faith. And when I went to college, I met some Christians there, and they asked me. Remember, they took me, a couple of Christian folks took me out to get a hamburger, and they asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, well, yeah. And they said, well, we're eating at this hamburger place if just because you're eating here I mean, there's lots of hamburgers in this place just because you walk in this restaurant. Does that make you a hamburger just because you walked in? And at that time, that was deep philosophy for me. Okay, you know, ooh, that's a solid argument. But their point was just because you walk into a church building with your mom and dad, does that mean you believe? Or is that what they believe? And nobody had ever asked me that before. And it shook me. I remember it vividly. So what about you? I mean, we need to think about these things. 
from before. I mean, if look, if you were raised in a Christian home, that's great. There still comes a time when you have to make your faith your own. So you may not have had a radical conversion like Paul, but there has to come some time when you say, I was raised one way and I appreciate that, but this, this is my own faith. Thirdly, I tell others how my life has changed since I met Jesus. Since. What's happened since then? Here's what happened to Paul. So I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, throughout all Judea, the Gentiles, that they all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they've changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this. They tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. Paul says, right up till now, let me catch it, let me summarize. I used to be a person who dragged Christians off in train, chains and beat them till they renounced their faith. Then I met Jesus, and now I go everywhere telling people about Jesus. I mean, for me, I mean, if you'd have told me that day when I'm having that hamburger that one day I would be a pastor in Alabama, man, I never would have believed you. I mean, God has changed me radically. And so these are questions each of us has to ask. Who was I before? How did I meet Jesus? What difference has it made? And by the way, we don't need to spend a lot of time on who I was before. Sometimes we can get caught up in that. Let's not do that. Let's spend time telling people how, to, how you met Christ and what he's done since then. And the, the, the fun thing is the change since then that part of the story keeps growing the longer we live because he keeps changing us. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Yeah, he's perfecting us in every way, making us a little more like Jesus every day. So we can keep adding on to that. Well, I can tell you this and this and this and this and this, and every year I live, I can add another thing that he's improving in my life. Here are five things that are going to help us do this, by the way. First of all is readiness. I mean, the reason we're going through this is is, well, what would I say? Well, if we're ready, when we have an opportunity, then we've thought through. We've taken a little time and thought through this. Peter says we should do this. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Well, it'd be good if you and I sat down with a piece of paper this afternoon, this afternoon, and wrote down a few things. Who was I before? What, how would people have described me? How did I meet Jesus? And it might be a, a process. Well, it happened over time. Okay, write that down. And then what difference is this has a relationship with Jesus? How's that changed me? Write some of those things down. Talk about it with your family. If you don't know who else to talk to, call one of our staff. I guarantee you, every one of us would love to help, help anybody here polish their story and figure out what to say so we can be ready. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. I mean, Paul wrote this to the Colossians. Paul was always praying like that. Maybe today I'll get to talk to one of my neighbors. I mean, live wisely among those who are not believers. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you have the right response for everyone. If I've thought about this in advance, I've thought about how he's changed me, then if he's changed me in one area of my life and I come up to somebody, well, then that's one of the things that can lead in. I can lead with that. Oh, yeah, I used to struggle with that too. Really? Oh, yeah. 
Let me tell you how Jesus changed me, and let me tell you how I met him. And if we thought through these things, oh my goodness, we can be ready. So readiness is the first thing. Second is authenticity. It really hurts us if we say that Jesus has changed us and we don't act like that. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. We don't have to be perfect. What it means, even as we're living as Christians, when we blow it, we apologize. People in our world, are, they're looking for that. Genuine article Christians. Not just people who go to church because everybody else is going. Not just people who say they're Christians because mom and dad were Christians. But genuine Christians. Authentic Christians. Say, no, this is my faith. You know, I'm a Christian and I don't like it when I act that way. Will you accept my apology, please? Don't just pretend to love others. Romans 12 here. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection. By the way, this is written to those Christians in Rome that unbelievers are watching how you all relate to each other. Because Jesus said our love for each other will be undeniable proof that you're my disciples. Because the world, our culture, man, people it's dog eat dog. People love it when they meet people who genuinely love each other. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, work hard, and serve the, Lord, serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Man, people are looking for that. Can we be ready? Yeah. Can we live authentically? Well, that's what we pray for every day. Thirdly is clarity. Pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Paul prayed that. The Lord had told him, you're going to be a witness all over the place. And so Paul said, man, I want to make this clear. I don't want to confuse people. And sometimes when we've grown up in church, we've even embraced a Christian vernacular, like Christian slang. Let me give you an example of a way not to present your testimony. I felt led to stop backsliding, so I crucified the old man, got washed in the blood of the lamb, and now there's fruit in my life. If you told that to a person who never read the Bible, didn't understand any of this, they'd go, wow, you were sliding down a hill, you murdered an old man, you put blood on yourself, and now you're eating fruit because you need fiber. Okay, what is going on? That would make zero sense. But if we're going to communicate clearly, we'd say, hey, I was an addict, and I came to Christ. What does that mean, that you came to Christ? Well... Glad you asked. Then unpack it. I confessed my sin. What does it mean to confess your sin? I mean, it is important we get washed in the blood of the Lamb. Why? What in the world does it mean? Why was Jesus' blood necessary for anything? And if you take some time to think about that, and work through it, then even if those phrases come out, you and I can explain it. 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I'll bend over backwards to explain this to people. I just want to be clear. That's terribly important. I need to be ready. I need to be authentic. I need to be clear. And also... 
I need to be confident. Confident. You and me. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is the full verse of Acts 1-8, where the title comes from for this series. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Paul said, look, the power doesn't come from you. If you want confidence to do this, if you feel unable to do this, you don't feel like you're confident in this at all, well, this is why we need the Holy Spirit. He gives us power to do this. I mean, this is how I can stand in front of you right now, how I can stand every Sunday morning and proclaim God's word. Occasionally, I'll have people ask me, and they'll go, well, John, you stand up there and teach all this stuff. How do you know anybody's even listening? I go, I have this confidence. The Lord says that whenever he is lifted up, he's going to draw people to himself. I'm confident that his Holy Spirit has inspired the people who wrote these words down in the Bible, and I'm confident the same Holy Spirit will apply it to people's lives. I just have to proclaim it. And if I'm faithful to be a witness to this, then God will speak to you. It's why I pray all the time. You hear me pray all the time, Lord, I want you to move me out of the way and speak to the people here. Well, you can pray the same thing. I got a chance to talk to my brother-in-law about my faith. Lord, I want to make it clear. And God, oh, my heart's beating through my chest. Will you give me the power to do this? Because I'm nervous. Let me encourage you. He will give you the power to be obedient to him. He'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is God's word for you. And for me. We are confident of all of this. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3. We're confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Could we read that highlighted sentence together, please? Our qualification comes from God. One more time and say it loud this time. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. You and I don't have to figure this out. You and I aren't responsible for the results. We're just responsible to be a witness. And that brings us to the last thing. You and I, we'll be greatly aided in sharing our testimony if we remember all this, that he's the one who gives us the power, and he's the one responsible for the results so we can be patient. requires patience. Paul said, look, wrote the Corinthian people. He said, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos, another minister who came after him, well, he watered it, but it's God who made it grow. We have to trust that God is doing things that we cannot do, and it may take time. You, may, you and I, after we've presented the gospel to someone, we may never even know in this lifetime what happens. We may never see them again. But if we're a faithful witness, that's up to God anyway. He's the one who makes it grow. We just plant the seed. Some of you have heard me share this before, and I want, you to, I want to share this because sometimes people think I got this nailed, and every time I present the gospel, it's amazing, and the results are instantaneous, and wow, John, you did such a super job. Well, a few years ago, I talked to a guy, and the reason I met with him because his marriage was in a shambles, and the reason it was in a shambles is because he was just mean. He was mean to his wife, mean to his kids, mean to everybody. Hateful, angry, vile. 
I hope I'm, he was not nice. Can we do, is that coming across? Okay. So I met with him and we talked for a while and I said, you need Jesus. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You need to come to him and renounce all this sin. And that did not go well. In fact, he got up, he was in my office, he got up and he slammed the door on his way out so bad he told me that I was wrong, only he used a little more flowery speech than that, okay? And he slammed the door so hard, a picture fell off the wall and broke the frame. And I thought to myself, well, that did not go well. I had uh, shared the gospel with him and how much God had changed my life, and he did not receive it well. Well, fast forward in time, a couple years later, he came right here to this room, came walking down after one of the worship services, right down this aisle. I was standing right here. He was coming, making a beeline toward me, and I was thinking, well, I don't know what's going to happen right now, Lord. So, you know, it's one of those prayers. We go, man, Lord, I'm not sure what's about to happen. So he comes right up to me. And he, and he says, do you remember who I am? And I went, yes, I do. I invested in a picture frame after you left my office the last time. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, he stuck out his hand. And he said, I want to shake your hand. And I said, why? And he goes, because you were the one person who confronted me straight up and told me I needed Jesus. And he said, I don't know if you know this, but I was really upset when you said that. I go, really? Oh, really? Okay, well, do tell. And he said, I was mad at you virtually every day for almost two years. It just made my blood boil that you would sit there and tell me that I needed Jesus. One night I was so mad I couldn't even sleep. I was thinking about you said that to me. And so I turned on the TV and I was flipping through the channels and there was a preacher on and he said, maybe you're up late at night watching this broadcast and somebody had the nerve to tell you that you need Jesus and it's made you so mad you can't even sleep. If that's you, then you need to get on your knees today and you need to repent and ask Jesus into your heart. And he said, I got on my knees in front of that TV and I repented and I thank God for you. And he said, that was six months ago and Jesus has changed me completely. Well, yeah, you can apply. Yeah, give God the applause. I planted the seed, and I didn't think anything was coming up, okay? I'm just telling you, I thought that was a disaster, like how not to present the gospel. But the Lord had other plans. That man needed Jesus. He said, thank you for being the one person who would tell me that. He was so angry and so, so forceful. I think most of his friends were afraid to tell him. Galatians 6, 9, so if you've been praying for somebody for a long time, don't quit. Let's not become weary in doing good, but at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. God's making it grow. I just have to be ready. I have to be clear. It would help if I was authentic. A lot. Even that means if I blow it, that I apologize or say I don't know or I was wrong. Sorry. We're going to pray about that right now. Lord Jesus, we started this service praying and thanking you we could walk into the presence, the very throne room of heaven, because Jesus made it possible. And it's true. He died on the cross for our sins. Paid the penalty in full. And so, Lord, now I can stand in your presence, even though I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. My sins have been washed away. 
And God, I'm grateful. And God, I want to be a witness for you. Lord, it's not only that we can come into your presence, but we get to encourage others to come now. They can come too. Lord, not only do I have a place in heaven prepared for me now, but Lord, I have an assignment here on earth. And I want to be a witness for you. God, would you help me be ready? God, would you open my eyes when I have a chance to tell people about you? Would you help me get some thoughts organized about who I was before I met you, how I met you, and what a difference you've made in my life? Would you make that clear to me? And then, Lord, would you help me proclaim the gospel clearly as I should? Oh, God, I thank you that you're the one who gives me the power to do this. You give me the desire and the power. And, Lord, my heart beats fast when I even think about this right now. But, Lord, I want to play. I want to be a witness. And right now, would you pray for one person you know, man, who could use hope in their life right now? Someone who could use a touch from Jesus right now. Would you pray for them right now, silently? Pray for them by name. Could be a cousin, a spouse, a coworker, a neighbor. Pray for someone right now by name and say, Lord Jesus, make yourself real to them. And Lord, let me be a witness if I can be. Oh Lord, I thank you for Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. And there may be somebody watching online. There may be somebody in this room who needs to come to Christ themselves today, right now. If the Lord spoke to you while I was talking, it's like, that's you. You need to come. You need hope. Then pray with me. Lord, I surrender my life to you right now. I need hope. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus in my life. And so I surrender my life to you right now. Well, Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.